Welcome to another call combo. In today's combo, Esther interviews Suze about her job in the Northern Territory. We hope you learn something new and start to become more aware of how important your hearing is in your everyday life. Hello, Suze. Hi, Esther. How are you going? I am good. I realized as we started this podcast that the construction behind me has just started again. Oh, no. So I apologize to our listeners if there's increased background noise today. Well, it's very fitting with um, what we're chatting about today, about hearing loss and living with a hearing impairment. So (laughs) maybe it might encourage some empathy amongst the listeners. Perhaps so. Maybe this was done on purpose, Suze. Um, but yeah, so you've given some um, something away to our listeners that we're talking about hearing and hearing loss. And this is a little bit different from our normal call convo session. I guess it's a little bit more of an interview format today. Yeah, and I'm really excited because ears is, and hearing is something that I'm obviously very passionate about being an audiologist. So I'm excited to hopefully um, pass on the passion to people listening as well. Yes. And we did joke a little bit earlier that maybe someone listening to our podcast today would be inspired by Suzanne's um, experience as an audiologist and maybe decide to become one themselves. That's that's the ultimate goal, right? Yes, of course, <laughs> always. So if you have any questions about audiology, I am more than happy to answer them for you. Oh, fantastic. So Suze, to start off, can you tell us what is an audiologist and what do you do? Mm. I feel like this is something that I'm always having to explain because whenever I tell people that I'm an audiologist, there's always a pause and they're like, so what? what's an audiologist? Um, and how I normally um, explain it is that it's like optometry, but for ears. So we do a lot of hearing tests and um, diagnosing hearing losses and um, ear related issues. Um, and part of being an audiologist is also the rehab side of things. So fitting hearing aids and um, yeah, um, cochlear implants if necessary. Um, so yeah, that's basically what I do as an audiologist. Hmm. I like that optometrist for ears. I'm going to remember that for the future. Yeah. So Suze, being an audiologist in the Northern Territory, what are some of the con- common conditions that you have been seeing? from Darwin, where I'm based, to the Aboriginal communities that I fly out to every um, so often. Um, I would say Darwin's probably pretty similar to the rest of Australia in terms of the prevalence of ear infections and hearing loss amongst the little kids. Mm. Um, Whereas in the communities, there's a much higher prevalence of ear infections and ear-related issues and hearing loss that follows on from that as well okay so with an increased prevalence of ear infections and hearing loss within these communities what are some of the factors you've seen that has made this more likely in the indigenous australian population compared to non-indigenous australians Mm. yeah i think there's probably a few different factors and it's hard to say what is a factor and what isn't so for example 
um, something like genetics is that a factor and it's I guess kind of hard to test because you can't really like take someone out and put them in a different environment and see if they um, do get, still get um, hearing loss and ear infections mm. um, but I would say things such as um, the levels of hygiene is very different out in communities yeah there's often a lot of people living in the one house and um, yeah it's very overcrowded and there isn't a lot of um, information about good health and good hygiene um, so yeah you see people like sleeping on the floor and just yeah not really looking after their um, health and not really washing their hands so it's easier to get an infection and immunity is really low um, and another thing out in communities that there's no ongoing um, audiology service um, so there are lots of different services that go out, but um, it, there's no ongoing service that's there all the time. So if you have an ear infection, you can't just go straight to the clinic and see an audiologist. Sometimes you have to wait up to three to six months hmm. um, and the wait can be even longer to see an ear, nose and throat specialist as well. Um, I think the waiting list for surgery is over 12 months So. Yeah, combination of different things, I would say. Right. So for our listeners who aren't super well-versed on what ear infections are, could you tell us a bit more about the, the types of ear infections that you can see? And you also mentioned a few different healthcare um, professionals who are involved in caring for ear health. Can you tell me a bit about who you work with and what sort of a team um, is important for taking care of hearing health? I guess there's different stages and different severities when it comes to ear infections. Um, so kids are generally more susceptible because um, with adults, our eustachian tube is more diagonal and so it's easier to drain out any fluid or anything, whereas for kids it's more horizontal um, because they haven't really grown and stretched up yet. Um, and so it's harder for them to drain. And because a lot of kids don't really know how to blow their noses, so mm. things kind of just <laughs> get built up in the ears and in the nose. And that's when, um, yeah, infections start. So it starts off with um, the middle ear being a bit blocked up. And then as it's blocked up for a long time and the cells in there aren't able to breathe, I guess, yep. um, fluid can start to build up. Um, and sometimes the fluid builds up and the pressure is so great that it, causes the eardrum to burst and that's actually a good thing because it lets all the pressure out um, but sometimes we see kids and they come in and there's all the discharge coming out of their ear because the eardrums just burst and all the pus is coming out um, or sometimes it's a bit further down the track and um, all the discharge has come out but there's just a perforation in the eardrum that's been there for a long time um, and if there's a hole in the eardrum the sound's obviously not going to pass through very well um, so it can cause a hearing loss. So yeah, those are the, I guess, different stages um, and of ear, ear infections. Mm -hmm. um, and in terms of the people, the healthcare professionals involved um, with ears, I guess there's, well, mainly the audiologist who does the hearing tests and stuff. Um, most clinics have... Um, like clinics out in communities have nurses and the nurses are able to um, like give medication um, for the ears or for like the infection. 
um, or like sometimes there's nurses that travel out and they do the ear syringing to get rid of all the pus that's built up in the ears um, or if there's wax in the ears they can remove the wax as well hmm. um, and the ear nose and throat specialist um, they mainly do the surgeries I guess um, so if um, there's a hole that's been there for a really long time they might patch it up or if um, there's a lot of fluid bu- um, being built up behind the eardrum they might put a, a little hole and what's called a grommet in the eardrum to allow the fluid to drain out right so I guess those are the main um, health professionals involved um, and I'm not sure about the other states but I know in the Northern Territory there's also like, um, health promo- health promotion um, people who go out and kind of just yeah promote healthcare, I guess. So mm. teaching um, families how to wash their hands, wash their faces, blow their noses, and mm. um, the importance of looking after the ears and how, what to look out for um, to know that there's an ear infection there. So yeah, there's a few different um, people, it's a team involved in um, ensuring good ear health for all the people around. From what you've described, it sounds like there are healthcare professionals who are dealing with the acute and immediate problems that are as a result of ear infections. And it's also really good to hear that there are people targeting kind of upstream approaches and addressing the public health factors that are resulting in increased hearing loss, which is good to hear. So can you tell us a bit more about why this is a problem for communities? What are some of the short-term or even long-term effects of having recurrent ear infections within these communities? In terms of short-term, I guess it can be quite painful for the kids. Um, If they have an ear infection, it can be really uncomfortable as well. Um, And especially at a young age, you know, your hearing is so crucial for um, learning your speech and language and developing language. Um, so, yeah, those are more of the short-term things. And I guess when you have an ear infection, your immunity is low and you're more um, prone to getting other sicknesses as well. Um, so, yeah. And then in terms of, like, the midterm issues, um, you know, if you can't hear you're more likely to be falling behind at school. Um, And I guess at school as well, um, the kids are taught in English, even out in communities. And often for the kids, English isn't their first language, it's their second or third language. And so if you imagine going to school and having to learn in your second or third language, and on top of that, not being able to hear properly, that is really tricky because you have Mm. to concentrate so hard and for sure you know I would I know I would struggle or I would feel very defeated if I was going to school every day and like yeah. come home just not being able to understand what's going on um, so that's more of like a midterm issue and I guess safety as well you know if you can't hear like the car coming from behind you um, that can be quite dangerous yeah there's also like a lot of long-term effects on Um, language and literacy development as well so yeah I guess it's not just like a even though it is a temporary thing and it doesn't normally impact the hearing permanently it can sometimes but normally it's a temporary thing but um, because 
you know, when you're young, those are such crucial years for um, learning and developing that, um, yeah, if you miss out on a lot of um, input and information during those years, it can have a knock-on and long-term effect over the, like, later years of your life. That makes a lot of sense, Suze. And I guess that's something I haven't considered a lot about, especially doing a lot of my clinical placements in metropolitan um, city-based um, practices, especially in GP practices where we do see young kids come in with a Titus media and often you don't even need to treat it with antibiotics. The children get better on their own. Mm. And some children might need grommets, but often that is not the case. And usually they are able to attend school fairly regularly. But it seems from some of the things you've observed and looked into in terms of research, these recurrent infections can have a lot of personal as well as like societal impacts as well. Mm. Um, something else that I've learnt about but haven't had first-hand ex- experience is that the Indigenous Australian culture is a very oral culture. Is that something that you've come into contact with and how do you think hearing loss and hearing impairment will impact on the individual's ability to connect with that rich culture? Mm. Yeah, so that's definitely true. A lot of um, storytelling and um, like... Um, just chatting to people around you. There's not as much reading and writing, I guess, in um, the Aboriginal culture. Mm. Um, So when you can't hear, I think it's very isolating um, because, you know, you're missing out on the conversations. And um, I think in general, just with humans, we aren't very patient when people can't hear properly because it's such a hidden... um, disability I guess so you know for example if you ask someone pardon like two or three times after a while (laughs) they're just like oh don't worry about it yeah so yeah it can be very isolating when you can't hear Um, and then you miss out on you know learning about your culture and the history but also just the friendships with people around you Um, your parents might think that you're being disobedient or your teacher might think that you're just not very bright so um, yeah, I guess because it's so hidden, um, people don't tend to assume hearing loss, but they tend to assume something else, um, which I guess it's yeah a bit of a shame and can really put the individual at a disadvantage. It sounds like there's quite a stigma associated with the loss of hearing and not being able to connect in with community. Um what are some of the current programs or are there um, services that have been able to be part of the solution into improving hearing health within Indigenous Australian communities? Hmm. Yeah, so there's quite a few different services out there. Um, And again, I'm not really sure about the other states, but I know that um, I think the prevalence of ear infections is highest in the Northern Territory. Um, So in terms of different services, um, I guess there's a service called the HAPI service, which H-A-P-E-E stands for Hearing Assessment Program for Early Ears. Um, And they go out into the communities and they test all the 
um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander kids from zero to six years old. And yeah, basically they try and do that every year to just monitor and see um, what their hearing is like. Um, and then in terms of the um, Northern Territory government, there's the hearing out hearing services outreach as well. Um, so they target anyone from zero to 21. Um, and these are people who I guess are flagged as having hearing issues in the past. Um, so they go and retest the hearing and see if the hearing's improved or the ears have improved or um, if they need to be referred on to a specialist or something. Um, and then there's the specialists that go out. So the um, it's called the SONT trip, so Specialist Outreach Northern Territory. Um, so they go out and they either look in the ears and review kids or they mainly do surgeries, I guess. Um, and then um, Hearing Australia, um, they are the ones who are um, focused on rehab. So um, if a kid's been having um, hearing issues for a long time, they fit them with a hearing device um, just so they can, you know, they're not missing out on all these sounds while they're waiting for um, a surgery or while they're just waiting for the ears to clear. Um, or if it's something that's just ongoing and the ears don't look like they're clearing, then um, yeah, they get fitted with a hearing device so that they're not missing out on learning in the classroom or at home. So yeah, lots of different services out there. Oh, there's another one I forgot to mention. Um, so it's part of the Menzies School of Health Research. Um, and they're trialing this thing um, where they're trying to get someone from the community itself um, to be able to learn the basics of um, identifying hearing loss so uh, ear infections. So looking in people's ears and doing tympanometry, which looks at how well the eardrum's moving. Mm. Um, so that's something that started up recently in 2018. And I think they're doing a five-year trial to see how well it works. Um, so yeah, lots of different um, services out there. I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily addressing the root issue, but it's really good to see that the government's, you know, putting in all these things in place to, um, yeah, support um, healthy ears for um, the Aboriginal kids out there. I guess one final question is, what has been something that has really encouraged you about working in the Northern Territory? I guess sometimes when we look at Indigenous Australian health and we just see numbers and statistics, especially you know people who've been in metropolitan cities most of the time, it can seem quite disheartening. Um, mm. for, from someone who's lived in the Northern Territory for a little bit now, uh, what are some things that you've seen that can give people some hope and also direct you moving forward on how to engage with these particular health concerns? Yeah, um, I think it can be um, frustrating um, with the job sometimes being like, oh man, like I just, all I do is see kids with ear infections and hearing loss and it doesn't <laughs> seem like anything's improving. Yeah. But I guess remembering that um, each person is an individual and not just a statistic. Um, and so every kid that you test, every like <laughs> little bit of wax that you remove or um, being able to educate the kid and the parent on how to um, look after your ears and, you know, blow your nose properly and um, how to, you know, things like chewing crunchy foods to um, release the pressure in the, of the eustachian tube, all these little things like oh. 
it's good to remember that you know we are making a difference yeah um even if it's just for that one kid um it's making a difference to hopefully their life um so yeah looking at people as individuals and everyone there is always so friendly and so much fun to be around um it's such a (laughs) beautiful population and um yeah i just love the people that i work with it's just so much fun um so i guess that's what keeps me going yeah so i really love that and i liked how you emphasize that people are individuals and so much more than just statistics And I really appreciated you taking the time today to educate me and our listeners more about hearing health in Indigenous Australian communities. And I really love your passion for what you do. Um, So thanks, Suze. Thanks for spending your time with us today. Is there any closing words or closing remarks that you want to make? Closing remarks? Um, Well, I hope everyone got something out of um, this little chat. Um, I think, I don't think that fixing hearing issues is the answer to all the world's problems, but (laughs) I do think that it it is an important issue that needs to be tackled um, because of the short term and the long term effects of ear infections and hearing issues. And I think it is encouraging that um, there is stuff that's happening. Um, So yeah, I just hope that it continues to go in the right direction and um, I hope that... (laughs) Lots of kids will be able to hear well and through that be able to have good education and yeah, all the good things. <laughs> Definitely. Well, thanks, Suze. I'll catch you in the next call combo. Sounds good. See you later.